enjoyed our church bells from Lanreth. It's great they peel out to welcome people on Sunday to worship God. Welcome to our second Sunday of Lent service. Hopefully it will be fun, full of the joy of the Lord, challenging, probably not perfect, as none of us are. We'll be on location in Trelawney Benefice, a group of seven mainly coastal churches in southeast Cornwall, so you can enjoy Cornwall our home. It's where Bishop Trelawney hails from, where legend has he led 20,000 Cornishmen to London to stand up for the rights of the Cornish people. It's been raining all week, so you'll find us inside at the Eden Project and at the Lifeboat Station, amongst other places. We found a fresh and new way of doing church here. Lots of our services are on village greens, farms and key signs. We're meeting a new wave of people, just like the monks who first came to Cornwall to share their faith. Also like the famous Cornish evangelists of the past, Billy Bray, who saw revival amongst the mining community and John Wesley, who rode around this county on horseback, sharing his faith. We preach outside to all who will gather to listen. Often in the summer, a hundred or more people gather on the quay in Polruan, some with a pint in hand at our outdoor summer services. Today we'll be explaining the theme of taking up our cross and following the Lord. I'll be sharing of how I found myself here in Cornwall, creating fresh expressions of church. So we hope you enjoy worshipping with us. With God, nothing will be impossible. For he is our God. And the God of salvation is making all things new. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Loving God, we have come to worship you. Help us to pray to you in faith, to sing your praise with gratitude, and to listen to your word with eagerness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour.
St. Paul says, be imitators of God, love as Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice. So let us confess our sins to God who forgives us in Christ. Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the God of love and power Forgive us and free us from our sins. Heal and strengthen us by his Spirit and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. God's promise is received through faith from Romans chapter 4 verses 13 to 25. When God promised Abraham and his descendants that the world would belong to him, he did so not because Abraham obeyed the law, but because he believed and was accepted as righteous by God. For if what God promises is to be given to those who obey the law, then man's faith means nothing and God's promise is worthless. The law brings down God's anger, but where there is no law, there is no disobeying of the law. And so the promise was based on faith in order that the promise could, should be guaranteed as God's free gift to all of Abraham's descendants, not just to those to obey the law, but also to those who believe as Abraham did. For Abraham is the spiritual father of all, as the scripture says, I have made you father of many nations. So the promise is good in the sight of God, in whom Abraham believed, the God who brings the dead to life, and whose command brings into being what did not exist. Abraham believed and hoped, even when there was no reason for hoping, and so became the father of many nations. Just as the scripture says, Your descendants will be as many as the stars. He was then almost 100 years old, but his faith did not weaken when he thought of his body, which was already practically dead, or of the fact that Sarah could not have children. His faith did not leave him, and he did not doubt God's promise. His faith filled him with power and he gave praise to God. He was absolutely sure that God would be able to do what he had promised. This is why Abraham, through faith, was accepted as righteous by God. The words he was accepted as righteous were not written for him alone. They were written also for us who are to be accepted as righteous who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from death. Because of our sins, he was handed over to die and he was raised to life in order to put us right with God.
Jesus speaks about his suffering and death. Mark 8, 31 to 38. Jesus began to teach his disciples. The Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He will be put to death, but three days later, later he will rise to life. He made this very clear to them. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned round, looked at his disciples and rebuked Peter. Get away from me, Satan. Your thoughts don't come from God, but from man. Then Jesus called the crowd and his disciples to him. If anyone wants to come with me, he must forget self, bury his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Does a person gain anything if he wins the whole world but loses his life? Of course not. There is nothing he can give to regain his life. If a person is ashamed of me and of my teaching in this godless and wicked day, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and the angels. If anyone wants to come with me, he must forget self, carry his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his own life will lose it. But whoever loses his life from me and the gospel will save it. Trevelyan Richards was one of the bravest men known on these shores. He was and is a true son of Cornwall. Trevelyan was the coxswain of the Penley lifeboat based near Mousel. On the 19th of December 1981, the cargo vessel Union Star suffered engine failure on its maiden voyage and in hurricane-forced winds and waves up to 18 metres high was driven towards the craggy Cornish shore. Solomon Brown, a wooden lifeboat, was launched in an attempt to save those on board the stricken ship. Trevelyan knew the dangers of the sea that night and would only take one man from a family. That tells a tale. I'm sure that this man was made of Cornish granite. Eight lifeboats from this community set sail. There were men to be saved in peril on the sea, battling these massive waves and they would have rode the wave to get into the Union Star. It got four people off, but rather than returning to shore, went back to save others before all contact was lost. The eight crew of the Solomon Brown and eight on board the Union Star all died. A helicopter pilot who witnessed the attempt to rescue described it as the greatest act of courage I have ever seen. It's a tragic story, but in my opinion, Trevelyan and his men took up their cross that night and tried to save others who were in peril on the sea. No greater sacrifice can a man make 
than to lay down his life for his fellow men. All of us as Christians are called to take up our cross and follow the Lord. It can take different forms. I retired from school as a chaplain just after COVID and thought I was going to drift off into the sunset. But the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and told me my ministry wasn't finished. I did say, okay, send me somewhere nice. So here we are in rural and coastal southeast Cornwall. I've never done rural ministry. I had no idea how to do evangelism in this setting. Amazingly, God showed us to encourage people to meet outdoors on village greens, farmyards and quays. Here we are in Gwenap Pit. The good news of Jesus Christ was preached by Billy Bray and John Wesley, amongst other orators of the day. 10,000 people would gather in this auditorium when mining was at its height and God was moving amongst the Cornish people. The most important thing we can do as Christians is share our faith. It's a command of Jesus. Go to the lost sheep. Go and tell John. Go and invite all you meet. Go and make disciples. People are in a desperate state. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. If we were in the Sahara Desert and discovered an oasis, it would be extremely selfish not to tell people. If having discovered the good news ourselves, we feel an urgent desire to pass it on. I've been doing that for nearly 40 years. We need a bishop in Truro, someone full of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord and the wisdom of God. It might be you. We need priests and fellow workers. You might consider the land of the saints as we call it in Cornwall. I always challenge my pupils at school to use their gifts and skills to help someone else in the world. We can't change everything, but if we all did our bit, it would be a better place. Maybe you're a doctor, nurse, teacher, or engineer. Perhaps you could give a year or two of your time in a challenging part of the world. Perhaps you're newly retired and looking to serve in a fresh way. Look what happened to me. God equipped me for my journey. For many of us, taking up our cross and following the Lord is staying where we are and putting faith into practice. Living a life full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Catherine will later share of how God used her in Africa and then right back here in Polruan as her mum's carer and a champion amongst other things of Open the Book. For others, there will be that responsibility in the local church, part of a prayer team, a welcome desk, making coffee, being in a situation where we give a lot more than we receive. 
but we know God needs us here. Putting faith into practice in the workplace, in our community. So to quote the message translation, do everything really cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light, giving message into the night, so I'll have good cause to be proud of you. So as we close, take a look at the Landreth Bible Study Group. Our tiny village church here is growing and new people are finding faith. Above all, remember John Wesley's rule. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Well, we're now in Catherine's really cosy cottage here in Polruan. Catherine, you grew up here in the 40s and 50s. Did you have a good childhood here? Absolutely wonderful. Polruan was a wonderful place to grow up when I was a child. Lovely. So tell us, when did you become a Christian? When I was around 14, the two Methodist chapels joined together for a joint mission. And it was during that that I gave my heart to the Lord. Lovely. So you went to um, uh, uni in the early 60s. Not many girls went then. What did you study and where? I, well, I studied at what was then Bristol College of, Sci College of Science and Technology, now Bath University. So my degree in applied biology is from Bath. Lovely. And uh, what led you to Africa or Nigeria? 
Well, long story really. Post uni, I worked in industry, and then the Lord led me into teaching, and I went to the Midlands um, and became friends with some people who were planning to go to Nigeria with the then Sudan United Mission. I started going to a monthly prayer meeting with them so that when they went to Nigeria, I would be there a knowledgeable prayer partner. For various reasons, they weren't able to go, but the, through that, the Lord called me to Nigeria. And so they became my informed prayer partners. <laughs> <laughs> Rather funny, I always think. <laughs> so, Catherine, what did you do when you were in Nigeria? I taught science in a church secondary school. Um, but then there were blind students in the school. In fact, it had been the first school in the whole of what was then British West Africa back in the 50s to integrate blind students and it continued to do so. So in the early 80s, I took a year out and did a one year post experience degree in special education and then went back and was part time resource teacher for the visually impaired and part-time science teacher. Then later when we built a purpose-built centre to produce materials and do other things to help, I worked there for the last uh, eight or nine years of my time in Nigeria. So it was all a bit different from Paul Rowan then? Well, yes, in some, in some ways, except that it was a community in the way that Paul Rowan's a community. Yeah, I understand that. So what brought you back to Paul Rowan? What brought you home? Well, I always knew I'd come back, but my plan was to stay at, with the mission until our retirement age, and I was thinking of 65, not 60. But in my mid-50s, I had a nervous breakdown, and so came back to this country. Initially, I settled in my home, by sending church area, which was the Midlands, but then a couple of years later, Mum had a stroke, and so, um, really, the Lord had got, got it very well organised, because it was a lot easier to relocate from West Midlands and West Africa <laughs> and in the meantime because I'd had I taught polite well motivated respectful of their seniors African youth I didn't think I'd last a minute in a British secondary school uh, so I fell into care work and of course that was a brilliant preparation for looking after mum post-stroke yeah God knows doesn't it, or he? doesn't he just yeah so God's used you a great deal here in Paul Ruin, though, hasn't he, since, uh, since you came home and still using you? Well, I hope so. I mean, I've trained as a, as a reader, and so I lead services and preach. I'm involved with the youth work in all sorts of ways. We've got kids club. Pre-COVID, we used to have an annual holiday club, and we'd love to one day start doing that again. Um, but perhaps one of the, th the things that I think is perhaps the most important thing I do here, possibly the most important thing I've done in my whole life, is taking Open the Book into um, Paul Rowan Primary School. It's an absolutely wonderful system of taking Bible stories. The children won't remember all the details of all the stories, but they'll remember some of them. But they're learning, God loves me. Bible, the Bible stories are interesting, exciting, fun, relevant to me. <sighs> And I think that is priceless. Absolutely wonderful. If I, if I could only do one thing, that would be it.
And Catherine ran a fantastic nativity as well at the church on Christmas Eve. It was really, really special and I thoroughly enjoyed being part of it. Catherine, it's been lovely to pop by, come into your cosy cottage and have a quick chat for all our viewers. Have a lovely day and God bless. Thank you. We're in the grounds here in Schlerder Abbey, part of the Shunanuf community. It's part of my benefice. Let us pray. Teach us, good Lord, to serve thee as thou deserves, to give and not to count the costs, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labour and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we do thy will. Amen. We pray to the Lord for courage, to give up distractions, and to give ourselves to him this Lent, saying, Lord, meet us in the silence. Give your church the courage to give up her preoccupation with herself and to give more time to your mission in the world. May the blood and water flowing from the side of Jesus bring forgiveness to your people and help us to face the cost of proclaiming salvation. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give your world the courage to give up war, bitterness and hatred and to seek peace. May the shoulders of the risen Jesus, once scourged by soldiers, bear the burden of political and military conflict in our world. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us the courage to give up quarrels, strife and jealousy in our families, neighbourhoods and communities. May the presence of the risen Jesus, his body once broken, and now made whole, bring peace and direction as we live with one another. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us the courage to give up our selfishness as we live for others and to give time, care and comfort to the sick. May the wounded hands of Jesus bring his healing touch and may the light of his presence fill their rooms. Lord, meet us in the silence. Give us the courage to give up our fear of death and to rejoice with those who have died in faith. May the feet of the risen Lord Jesus 
once nailed to the cross, walk alongside the dying and bereaved in their agony and walk with us and all your church through death to the gate of glory. Lord, meet us in your silence. Give us strength and hear our prayer here and in eternity. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. The Collect for the Second Sunday of Lent. Almighty God, you show to those who are in error the light of your truth, that they may return to the way of righteousness. Grant to all those who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion, that they may reject those things that are contrary to their profession and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
none will ever move me from this land until the Lord calls me to sit at his hand. For this is my Eden, and I'm not alone. For this is my Cornwall, and this is my home. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine down upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. And may the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's goodbye from Cornwall and Trelawney Benefice. We hope you really enjoyed this morning in worshipping God with us. We hope you enjoyed our views and tales of Cornwall. And we hope you have a really, really good week. So God bless you all and take care. Welcome to the Archbishop's Lent Campaign Watch and Pray, week two, where we consider the theme of movement. And we take much of our reflections from the stories in Genesis from Abraham and Sarah and their children and grandchildren, heroes of the faith. And one of the things we come to realize is that movement is a part of life and not all movement is easy. As we look through these stories, we consider the movements of our own lives filled with shame and guilt and force and uncertainty. But we also come to realize that a God, our God is a God always on the move. Black life has been very much characterized and shaped by this idea of movement from one place to the other, not always out of one's own will, a, a victim of circumstance. But black spirituality has taught us that there is a God that moves in and through the circumstances of life and God has a plan. So let's move. Let's consider movement this weekend.